0: You probably heard the old uh, story it might have even been a joke about uh it was a rural church up north and it snowed real heavy the preacher as most preachers did back then lived right by the church so it was no problem for him to wade through the snow and and uh get into the church and that sunday morning only one person showed up and he was a cattle farmer and so the preacher said well uh There's one here, so we might as well go ahead and have church. And so the preacher preached, and he preached, and he preached, and he preached one of the longest sermons he ever preached. And as he was standing at the back to shake the man's hand who had attended, he looked at the farmer and said, what did you think of my message? And this is what the farmer said. When only one cow comes to the feed trough, I don't feed him all the hay in the barn." let's pray together okay father we are here because we not only are physical bodies but lord we're spiritual bodies too and we come today to feed in your word father i thank you that lord you brought us here safely and i ask again that you'll take us home safely lord and i pray today that as we worship your lord your spirit would be here And Father, help us to learn more about the Christmas story, what it means. And Lord, help us to know that we can truly believe it. And Lord, I just pray that you'll bless in these moments ahead. For I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we began a brief series about can we believe the Christmas story. And folks, I believe that we can. And I believe that what we think and how we feel about the christmas story not only determines the outcome of our lives at the end of it our eternal destinies but i believe that how we feel what we believe about the christmas story determines the life that we live during the years that we are here on earth and folks what i'm trying to lead up to and i want to give you three reasons why i think we can believe in the christmas story in, in just a moment, I'm going to start reading, um, reading the, 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 the scripture, and I'm going to fast forward through what we learned last week. But here's the direction we're heading. I want to give you three reasons why I believe we can believe the Christmas story. Reason number one is that the Christmas story is the Word of God. The Christmas story, as we found out last week, begins at creation. When Adam and Eve sinned, the Christmas story was already in the heart and mind of God. We can believe in the Christmas story because it is not just in the word of God. It is the word of God, his word to us. And remember that John, even though he omits all of the stories about uh, about the birth of Jesus, he says, in the beginning was God." And it was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. And then he says in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So John, even though he didn't tell about the birth stories, John knew that Jesus came from eternity to the earth. And a second reason that we can believe in the Christmas story is because of the changes that it makes in the lives of people. Folks, that baby born in the manger is God's Son and the Savior of the world. And folks, the third the third reason we can believe in the Christmas story is the witnesses of the Christmas story. Now, I've never seen this in the passages of Scripture that we're going to be looking at. But folks, do you realize there are many witnesses to the birth of Jesus Christ? It is not only just as a historical event, but because it was an act of God. And let me quickly, I'm I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I'm so excited. I want to just fast forward to the end, to the third one, but but we need to get back and go through these other two also. But do you realize as you read the Christmas story, there are unnamed angels that come to to Joseph, that come to Mary and Joseph, that come to... um, to the shepherds, and then there's the named angel Gabriel who comes proclaiming that the forerunner of the Messiah, John the Baptist, would be born to a couple who were childless and who couldn't have children because of their age. And then Gabriel goes to Mary and tells her that she's going to have a baby. And, folks, let me tell you what is so outstanding. I believe it's Luke chapter 1, verse 19. When Gabriel introduces himself to John the Baptist's daddy, Zechariah, he says, I am Gabriel who stand in the presence of God. Now, now picture that. Here's this angel that knows what God is going to do. And God tells Gabriel, I want you to go down to earth. I want you to speak to Zechariah. I want you to speak to Mary. I want you to tell them what I'm getting ready to do. That's a powerful witness right there, isn't it? An angel come from heaven. Also, there's the angel that goes to the shepherds. And then in that story in Luke chapter 2, there's the heavenly host. Imagine that. Folks, then there's the witness, the earthly witnesses. You see, there's heavenly witnesses, there's earthly witnesses. Folks, let me quickly. The wise men from the east who've come to seek the king, the one born king of the Jews. There's the shepherds who go back and tell the people they've seen the baby. There's Simeon in the temple in Luke chapter 2. There's Anna in the temple in chapter 2. Folks, they're witnesses to the fact as who this baby born in Bethlehem and that manger is. And he is none other than the Son of God to save the world. Folks, I want to tell you, it'll get it'll fire up your joy about Christmas again. It really will. But let's get back, and I want to just fast forward quickly through what we learned last week. And let me read these verses, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25, okay? Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. Now, again, if you underline or highlight in your Bible, listen to this. Before they came together, she was found to be with child of who? The Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, why is this? And you know the story, but again, I want to just emphasize the details, okay? Something was wrong with Mary if she was pregnant because Joseph had not had sexual relations with her. And he was going to divorce her in a way that would not put her to shame. Truly, Joseph must have loved Mary greatly. But he didn't want her to be shamed before her family and before people. Folks, in that day, it was a, a great and shameful thing to be with a child before you were, you were married. But as he considered this, behold, listen to this, an angel, unnamed angel, of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of who? The Holy Spirit. For the second time, this is mentioned and emphasized. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, again, I'd highlight, underscore this, for he will save his people from their sin. And then listen to this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Again, folks, listen to this these words were put in the prophet's mouth by the lord hundreds of years before christ was born and what does the prophet say this is isaiah 7 14 behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and his name shall be called emmanuel which means god with us when joseph woke from sleep he did as the angel of the lord commanded him he took his wife but knew her not until she had borne a son. He called his name Jesus. Can we, should we, believe in a person and in an event that happened over 2,000 years ago? Can we, should we believe that God loved a sinful world so much that he would send his son to the world in the form of a man that Jesus would leave his throne in heaven, if you go to the next sincere that Jesus would come to this earth as a baby born of a virgin, that Jesus would live for approximately 33 years on earth, unjustly die on a Roman cross, that he would be buried because he had died on that cross, that he would rise again on the third day as he promised, that he would stay with his disciples, for 40 days, and after the end of that 40 days, he would ascend back up into heaven. And that one day, as he promised, he's coming back for his church. Can we, should we believe in that? And, folks, my answer is absolutely yes, but I don't want you just to believe me. I want you to believe what the Word of God says. So here's reason number one to believe the Christmas story. The Christmas story is the Word of God. And I want to point out in this next overhead, you can find the birth stories. And if you'll go to the, thank you, Sarah, uh, Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1, chapter 2, verses 1 through 41. And I want to encourage you, we've got, what, two and a half more weeks before Christmas. I want to encourage you to read these. And also, if you will, add to that John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And remember again, as you read, these chapters in Scripture, that this is the Word of God. And remember what God says about His Word, Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God will stand forever. And listen to Luke 21, 33. This is Jesus speaking. "'Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away.'" Last Sunday, we pointed out that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament promises concerning the Messiah. And I'm not going to read all these verses again, but let me just point these out, okay, in the event that you weren't here at the 830 service. There are four fulfillments that we see in the birth of Jesus that's found uh, especially in Matthew 1 and 2. Fulfillment number one is that the Messiah would be born of a virgin, Isaiah seven fourteen, And again, from the verses that we have just read, Jesus is born of a virgin. And folks, I don't know how, how, how much you have tried to understand the importance of this. And that's, I'm not speaking down to you. Don't mean it that way. But folks, throughout history, men have tried to say that this is a lie that somehow the gospel writers got it wrong, that a child cannot be born of a virgin. Folks, why is it so important that Jesus is born of a virgin? First of all, God promises that this is going to happen. Secondly, he is no ordinary man. He becomes a man, but he is no ordinary man. He is the son of God who takes upon himself human flesh. And again, you might be saying, well, what's so important about that? God had been speaking through his spokesman for thousands of years in the Old Testament, especially through the prophets, but God promises, I will send my son in human flesh so that you can know how much I love you and how much I want you to be in right relationship with me. And folks... This really begins to take importance when you understand that Jesus was criticized as being a blasphemer, that he was not the son of God, that he was the son of Satan. He was one of Satan's emissaries, one of Satan's demons. And Jesus would say, when you see me, you see the Father. Jesus would say, when you hear me, you hear the Father speaking. When you see me dying on the cross, you'll know it is the love of your heavenly Father who is being exposed there on that cross? But, folks, I want to tell you, Satan has tried to convince the world that this story about Jesus is just a good story and that's it. Folks, this is God entering human history himself about the Son of God leaving his throne in heaven and coming to this earth. Folks, I cannot in 10 kazillion sermons tell you the importance. Of God keeping His word to us, if God ever lied about anything, He would be a liar, and He would not be the holy God that He is. God promised that his son would be born of a virgin, and so he was. Secondly, and and, and I'm get you to fast forward, sir. I'm sorry, if you'll go to this, there we go. the Messiah would be born where in Bethlehem, Micah chapter five, verse two. And you see in Matthew 2, verses 5 and 6, Jesus is born where? In Bethlehem. And again, without going into all the details of this, you remember how Joseph and, and, and Mary, they lived in Nazareth. But there was a time for a taxation to take place or an enrollment. And so the male figure in the family had to go to their birthplace or the birthplace of their fathers. And so Joseph and Mary had to leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem. Folks, it was no accident that the Roman emperor said, we want to have a taxation, we want to have a census, because that would pr- fulfill Scripture, and that actually happens. A third for fulfillment is Jesus is taken to Egypt for safety. And and if you'll go to the third one, there. Thank you, girl. I appreciate your work today, okay? And Hosea 11 and 11, 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And listen to what Matthew says in Matthew 2, verses 14 and 15. I will read these. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. Why did he do that? Because Herod, when the wise men, and you know this story, when the wise men did not come back and report to him uh, that that the, the Savior had been born in Bethlehem, Herod determined there would be no one to rival his throne, so he had the babies from two years younger killed. And to protect Jesus, Mary and Joseph were led to depart to Egypt to keep baby Jesus safe. But listen to verse 15, and remain there until the je- death of Herod. And listen to this. This was fulfilled what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt have I called my son. Is all this coincidental or accidental? Absolutely not. This is what God had promised in his word. And a fourth promise about the Messiah, the Messiah would be rejected. In Psalms, excuse me, Psalms chapter 2 and Isaiah chapter 53 in the Old Testament, the coming king would be rejected. The heathen would rage and try and destroy him. Isaiah says that we would despise him and reject him. And folks, what is, seems to be so insignificant is that in John one forty six, as Nathanael is being invited by Philip, his brother, to come and meet Jesus, Nathanael says, look at this, John one forty six. Can anything good come out of Nazareth. And folks, they began to make fun of Jesus from the very onset. You remember as he began his ministry, some of the leaders said, who is this man? We know his father and his mother. And the inference is, we know that he is the illegitimate child of Mary and Joseph. All during his life and ministry, Jesus was put down and described as someone out of nazareth could anything good come out of nazareth but folks listen to what matthew says in matthew 1 1 the book of the genealogy of jesus christ the son of david the son of abraham and saying that he is the son of of david that bears witness that jesus's birth is fulfillment of second samuel 7 where god tells david Someone from your descendancy will be on the throne forever and ever. And he was speaking more than the earthly throne, the heavenly throne. And then the son of Abraham. In Genesis 12, God had promised that through Abraham's seed, all the world would be blessed. Luke describes the genealogy of Jesus in saying in chapter 3, verse 38, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. He goes all the way back and says that Jesus is a descendant of Adam, the first man who sinned. But Jesus came without sin to redeem those who had sinned. And the Christmas story is about a Savior promised to the Jewish people but given to the entire world. Boy, I can't believe 15 minutes, 20 minutes just went by so fast. Can y'all? Let me get to number two, all right? And I'll stop pitching hay in just a minute, okay? All right, go back to the joke. All right. A second reason we can believe the Christmas story is because it was written by people who lived with, who saw, who heard Jesus preach and teach, who saw Jesus do miracles, and most importantly, their lives were changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, that's my main reason for believing that Jesus is the Son of God. is the change that he brought in my heart and my life and relationship that I'd botched with God. Let me read these verses to you out of Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. We've read these uh, months ago when we talked about the My... You remember the My Hope program where Matthew invites sinners to come to his house? But listen to this. As Jesus... Passed by or passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he sat at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said uh, to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need. Of a physician but those who are sick go and learn what what this means out of desire mercy and not sacrifice for I have come not to call the righteous but the sinners now if you will Sarah leave it on that frame for just a second okay look at that last phrase I have come not to call the righteous but sinners you remember last Sunday we talked about the need of the Savior because the first man and woman sinned, and we following in their steps, given the freedom to choose, we do the same thing, don't we? Is there anybody in this room that can say, I've never sinned, therefore I do not need a Savior? You see what Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous? Folks, in Romans three ten and 11, Paul says, None is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God. And that is a quote from Psalms 14, 12. And folks, listen. You remember what the angel tells Joseph? You'll call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Folks, the Christmas story, you can't remove uh, mankind's sin and understand the Christmas story. Our Savior came and the greatest gift he has given us is the forgiveness of sin. You and I can't fully understand Christmas until we all understand that all of us are sinners. And let me give you some quick details about Matthew. Mark and Luke tell us that Matthew's original name was Levi, the son of Alphaeus. And the name Matthew means the gift of God, which apparently means that when Matthew met Jesus, they changed his name to commemorate his conversion and his call to discipleship. And let me quickly tell you these things about, about, uh, about Matthew, and we'll close, okay? And think about yourself. Think about your life before Christ, before knowing that this baby born in the manger would go to the cross and die for the punishment of my sin and your sin. Matthew is a tax collector. Tax collectors were among the most hated people in Jewish society. They were traitors to their own nation, because they sold themselves to the Roman government to work for that government. And each tax collector purchased from Rome the right to gather taxes. The more he gathered, the more he got to keep. And the tax collectors were considered thieves as well as traitors. They were in contact with Gentiles daily, which made them unclean. And, folks, here's my point. Do you and I think this type of man would have been expecting or looking for a Messiah? Don't think so. Matthew was caught up in the world of greed and dishonesty. And let me point a couple of things out about Matthew. Matthew. Folks, it had to be hard for Matthew to open his heart to Jesus, and let me give you three reasons. First of all, Mark tells us that when Matthew is called by the Lord, they're in the town of Capernaum. Capernaum was a city that rejected Jesus. I didn't know that to reading this account. And, and let me—I'm going to read uh, Matthew eleven twenty-three and twenty-four. So, if you will go to that, but let me read verse twenty. That's not on the screen. Listen to this. Matthew writes. Then he began. He's talking about Jesus. Then he began to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Jesus had been active in Capernaum, but people did not believe. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 23. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would, not, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it, should, it shall be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Folks, we're living in an evil world. We're living in a world that basically is rejecting Jesus. But he's going to still walk by. And he's going to call you and me. And he's going to call the lost, wicked world. And folks, also, it must have been hard for Matthew because he'd have to give up his wealth to follow Jesus. Ever thought about it? Jesus didn't have a payroll. Jesus didn't promise anything except an eternal home with the Heavenly Father. Folks, don't you think that Matthew's old friends rejected and ridiculed and persecuted him? And don't you think again that Matthew wasn't looking for the Messiah, but the Messiah came looking for him. Praise the Lord. And that's what the Christmas story is about. Let me read again Matthew 121, For he will save his people from their sins when Matthew opened his heart to Jesus he became a new person and wanted to share Christ with many tax collectors and sinners and that's what he did and and Matthew chapter 9 verse 10 he he invited people to come into his home folks I wouldn't believe in a story that doesn't change lives would you if it doesn't change lives, then the character they're talking about has either got to be fictional or it's a lie. But folks, the people that I know that have genuinely believed that this baby born in Bethlehem and that manger eventually went to the cross and gave himself for sinners like you and I, that Savior has changed lives. Amen. And he's still doing it. That's why we need to keep telling this story. And we need to believe it and commit ourselves to it. Folks, can we believe the Christmas story? Yes, we can. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these moments that we can be together in your word. And Father, I do pray that you are honored and glorified when we meet whether it's here in the sanctuary or in Sunday school, wherever we meet, Father, may we be busy about sharing your word. Father, thank you that your word does not return empty or void because it is your word, not man's word. It is your words. So I pray today, Father, that we truly will understand what the coming of Christ truly means, that Jesus, the Son of God, left his throne in heaven and came to this earth to save us. From our sins. Father, I pray that as we stand together in a moment of decision and invitation, that if there are those here that need to trust Christ, maybe they've already done it, but they've never made it public. Perhaps, Father, we need to make a new commitment to you because we've walked away from the Savior of Christmas. Perhaps, Father, there are those here that you're leading to become a part of this church family. Whatever you're leading them to do, Lord, may they respond under your guidance. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen.